0: Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joel. If you will find that in the Old Testament, it may be difficult to find, but it's one of the minor prophets and probably not a book that many of you are all that familiar with until I started preaching through it a few weeks ago, and hopefully you have a bookmark or an old bulletin there, or maybe you could just go to the table of contents and find what pages, so I could tell you what pages on in my Bible, but it wouldn't do you any good. But the book of Joel is only three chapters long, and yet it is a powerful little lesson in the life of God's people. Whenever they had allowed other nations to come into the nation of Israel and do some real damage to them physical damage, spiritual damage they had taken their eyes off the Lord and they had withstood. Not only one wave of judgment, not only two or three, but multiple waves of judgment that God brought into the land and destroyed almost everything until they turned and repented of their sin and went back to God. And today we see in Joel chapter 2 showers of blessing and how God pours out blessing on his people whenever we turn away from doing what we want and put our face to God and do exactly what God is leading us to do and I I don't know if that's your situation today or what it is in your past or what it is in your present that you need to turn from but God wants to pour out blessings on you and sometimes we need that little bit of warning to wake us up. I read about a guy in Massachusetts a few years ago who lived in a neighborhood that had a very busy street right in front of his house. He had people that would just zoom by all the time, no fear whatsoever of blowing past the speed limit. Now, I know that there are just a handful of you that struggle with your speed that you drive. Most of us, I think, or why are y'all looking around like that? (laughs) Okay, maybe a lot of us deal with the the speed that we drive but this this guy had done all that he he had all that he could take he had done everything he knew to do until he went to a junkyard and found a cardboard and wood cutout of a crown victoria it looked just like a police car and he bought it from the guy that owned the junk store uh, the, or the junkyard now this guy in massachusetts was like i said he was tired of people doing this So he painted that Crown Victoria to look just like a police car and set it right in front of his house and used reflective paint the whole nine yards. He said it was amazing the way that people would just slam on their brakes when they saw that cardboard car and how they would just slow down. And he said it was worth every hand gesture that he got once they found out that it was just a cardboard cutout you know he would wave back but you know whatever but the police loved it they thought it was a great idea anything to keep people from speeding especially in a neighborhood to keep people from flying by this guy's house now many of you don't need a ticket you don't need the flashing blue lights to know when you're speeding you have enough common sense to look down at your own speedometer and you see the little white and black sign that tells you how fast you should be going, and you see the little odometer and speedometer in front of you, you know exactly how fast you are going, you don't need a ticket to know that you're speeding. Sometimes just the warning, just the fear, just the signal in your brain to know, oh, I better slow down. That is enough for you to obey the law. God didn't necessarily want to give his people all the judgment that he had promised. In a sense, he didn't want to pull them over and give them a ticket and put them in jail for what they had done. But God sent a warning to them. And thanks be to God, in this lesson, that was all they needed to turn. What is it that you need? Do you really need all of the judgment that comes from your sin? Do you really need to have wave after wave after wave of judgment to learn what God has been telling you all along? Or is it enough to just have the warning? Just that one instant of a wake-up call to say, I better get my act together. I better turn my eyes to Jesus. I need to stop going down the path I'm going because if I continue, it's only going to get worse. Friend, we've had more than one wake-up call during the book of Joel. And even if this is the first message that you've ever heard in this little book in the Old Testament, thanks be to God that this is yet another sign to you that God is telling you turn. Joel chapter 2 beginning in verse 18. The Bible teaches us about showers of blessing. If you're able to, would you stand as we read this text of scripture together? Beginning in Joel chapter 2 verse 18 through verse 27. The Bible says, Then the Lord became jealous for his land. He had pity on his people, and the Lord answered and said to his people behold i am sending to you grain wine and oil and you will be satisfied and i will no longer make you a reproach among the nations i will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that when we turn our eyes to you, that you are the great restorer. You save us. You bless us. You make us a blessing. And God, you provide and restore what sin has taken and destroyed. Father, may every ear listen today. May every heart be attentive. Lord, may every person know that this message is not intended for someone else but is intended lord for them we pray all of these things in jesus name amen you may be seated this text of scripture tells us that god had an agenda in fact god had an agenda when he looked down at his people and he saw how beaten down they were you know that's exactly what sin does by the way In case you haven't learned that yet, we think sometimes that sin is going to give to us all of these wonderful things, and when it comes into our life, it only steals and kills and destroys. And so when we get to that moment when we're beaten down, when we get to that moment when everything is gone and wiped away and eaten at and destroyed, and we turn to God, then the Bible says God had pity on His people. He saw how pathetic they were, how miserable they were, and how little they had left. And so he turned his face back to them. They turned their face to God, and God turned these blessings back to him. You notice in verse 19 it says, "...the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people." God looks down upon His people and He says, this is not the way that it ought to be. Friend, listen to me. If you are a child of God, if you have come into a saving relationship with God, and when sin comes into your life and creeps its way in, and you say yes to temptation and no to the will of God, God looks down on you and says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so I I want you to notice how God desires to bring showers of blessing onto your life today when you turn from sin. The first thing I want you to notice is the Bible says for us to be thankful for what God returns to you. You see, there are things that sin takes away. There are relationships that sin destroys. There are financial blessings that sin and temptation will eat away at. There are not only positions that you have and relationships that you have, but there is even a closeness with God that sin will begin to eat away and destroy if we allow it to. And God in His infinite mercy in this text of Scripture, in this moment in the life of Israel, had pity on His people, and the Bible says He answered them. Now, nowhere in the book of Joel, especially in chapter 2, between God saying he's going to judge and God having mercy and pity on his people, do we hear what the people of Israel had to say. We don't hear their response. There's no chapter and verse where it says, and the people said unto God, that's just not here. But the fact that in Joel chapter 2, it goes from incoming judgment to God having pity and mercy and grace on His people, we know that something changed in their heart. Listen, the Bible says that God is not mocked. What we reap, that we will sow. And there is only the grace and mercy and the forgiveness of God that flows down from heaven through the cross of Jesus Christ if and only if we turn from our sins. In other words, friend, you cannot have eternal life from God and forgiveness of God and stay exactly the way you want to be. You have to realize that you are stuck in a position of sin and misery, and the only way for the blessings of God to flow into your life is first and foremost to turn your eyes and fix them on the cross of Jesus Christ. And realize that apart from a relationship with God through Jesus, you will never have eternal life and forgiveness of your sin. And so as God's people who had already trusted in God and had already placed their faith in God, they turned yet again back to Him. And the Bible says in verse 19, The Lord answered and said, Behold, I am sending to you grain and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. You see, there are physical things that sin removes. And the Bible says that God desired to give those things back to his people. Now, before you think that this message is somehow a, well, if I turn to God, God will give me money kind of a message, you're terribly wrong. Because you see, the grain and the wine and the oil that the locusts had eaten and had been destroyed was not just for the people to physically live on, it was a requirement of spiritual gifts back to God. You see, they had nothing to give back to Him. Because of their sin, everything that they had to live on physically and offer back to God spiritually was gone. And so when God restores these things that had been destroyed, not only is it for their physical well-being, it's for them to have a spiritual offering of giving back to God. Think for just a moment about someone who may be stuck in a sin and temptation of gambling. A person may have a hard time finding enough money to pay their bills and to pay their mortgage. And so they turn to the idea that if they gamble some, then maybe they'll win it big and they'll be able to pay their bills. They are frustrated because they never win the big amount that they need. And yet this sin and this addiction of continuing to gamble is just eating away at them and they continue to use what little money they have hoping to make it big. All of a sudden they're convicted over their sin and they realize that this sin and temptation is not going to do anything good and they put all of their faith and trust in God to provide for their needs so according to Joel chapter 2 what would God do with someone who's in that situation would God be so happy that they've turned from the sin of gambling to give them the million dollars that they hoped and dreamed for all along? Is Joel chapter 2 some kind of a promise to say that if you turn from the sin of financial greed and trying to get it in this way, that God will pay all of your bills and you'll be happily ever after? You can tell by my sarcasm that's obviously not what this passage is teaching. But think for just a moment, what does God give that someone who gambles needs that sense of security friend when you give something to God he eternally locks it into his showers of blessing when you give something over to God you may not see the kind of instant this is what I want flowing back into your bank account but you will see that which you need you will see God provide for you in ways that you never knew possible you will see God give himself back to you because that's really what you were craving is that sense of security that you put all your faith in money and now God has you put all your faith in him that's just one example of something that God gives back to you that sin and temptation only takes away. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be that financial security. It could be that that sense of belonging in the world. Friend, it could come down to your eternal destiny. Listen, I have no doubt that there are people in this room today, that sin has taken a relationship with God away from you the moment that you were born you came into a world in which you were overcome instantly by sin that your eternal destiny instantly the moment you were born was set straight for hell because you were born a sinner and apart from the saving grace of God you would die a sinner And I have no doubt that in this room today there is somebody who knows that if your life ended right now today that you would not have confidence that you could enter into eternal life and step into heaven because you've never trusted in Jesus Christ to save your soul. Friend, that's what sin takes away from you. That's why Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, died for your sins he died the death that you're supposed to die for your sins and he did it two thousand years ago so that at some point in your life you can say sin has taken God away from me Jesus brought me back and friend the way that you can have that relationship with God that sin has destroyed is to bow your knee to the lordship of Jesus and say God I know that I am a sinner And I know that sin has taken you away from me, but I come back to you, sin and all, and I ask you to forgive me for the sin in my life. And I trust in Jesus as the Savior of my soul and the Lord of my life. Would some of you be willing to say that today if you knew that God would give back to you what sin has destroyed? Would some of you be willing to trust in Jesus today knowing that sin has taken God away from you, but that Jesus has the gift of God back to you? All of these blessings, the Bible says, in verse 19, you will be satisfied, he said, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. That means people are not going to laugh at you again. You are going to have a place in the presence of God. Some of you need God to come back into your life because you've allowed sin to push Him out. Some of you that have trusted in Jesus personally and have walked with God for many years allow something to come into your life that in the moment you think, this is more important than anything I could ever imagine. And what ends up happening is whatever that thing is becomes more important to you than God. And when that happens, God takes a back seat in your life. And all of the blessings that God desires to pour out into your life, sin begins to just take away one at a time. And what God says to you today, friend, is He wants to shower those blessings on you And he wants all of those things to come back that sin has destroyed. He says the land's going to rejoice. The beasts of the field are going to rejoice. He says in verse 22, Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. Listen, let me ask you a question. In this situation that Israel is in, what did the beast do to God? nothing they didn't do anything to deserve having their food taken away but listen to me you may feel like what you do is between you and god but sometimes there's collateral damage sometimes it affects people next to you that you think oh, I didn't intend for them to get hurt. Well, guess what? It's out of your control. When the Bible says that sin steals, kills, and destroys, that's not just you, Bubba. That's people next to you. That's people who like you. That's people who love you. Sin is like a bomb that goes off and its shrapnel goes everywhere. The beasts, the fields, they didn't do anything to Dishonor God, but they got judged just as harshly as God's people did because of the damage that sin does. It's not just between you and God. But what is it in your life that's affecting your life? Was it what is it in your life that's affecting your home? What is it in your life that's affecting our church? that's affecting our community, that's affecting people around you. And what would happen by the grace of God if you turn from that sin? How many blessings would God pour down on you and the rest of us just from your repentance? During World War II, there was a farmer who wrote a group near London that was called the Scripture Gift mission and he wrote this mission church and included a dollar 25 offering and he said that his crops were dry it hadn't rained in months and he was having to purchase water and was going broke And he sent them this offering and he said, I want you to pray for me for two things. Number one, that Hitler's bombs would not hit my farm because it's bad enough as it is. And number two, that God would send the rain. They wrote him back and said, Sir, we can't pray for that kind of stuff. We can't guarantee that kind of stuff, but we will pray that God's will is done in your life and for your farm." A few days after getting that letter in the mail, the largest bomb that was dropped by Germany fell on this guy's farm. It blew out every window in his house and destroyed his farm. Nobody was injured, but the bomb went so deep that it unearthed a spring. And that spring was so big, not only did it water all of his farm, but other people got to come to his farm and buy water from him. He sent back a $50 offering back to this mission and said God's will was done. Even in our stupidity, even in our inability to control our situation, Friend, God's will can and will be done. And even when a bomb drops in your lap, God can handle it. And there is nothing going on in your life that is outside of the control of God. All you have to do is turn your face to Him and give whatever it is that you need And whatever it is that you are, and God will send showers of blessing like you've never seen before. Those are the things that God gives back to you. But what are the ways that we can be thankful for what God removes from us? See, that's the second thing that I want you to see in this text of Scripture. It's not only what God gives back, but let's be thankful for what God removes. You notice in the last two verses in this text of Scripture, the Bible says in verse 26, you will eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And he says, and my people shall never again be put to shame. For whenever your life is controlled by sin, you might think your life is awesome But you are a joke to people that you don't even know. Think of those that have some kind of an issue. Think of those who have some kind of a personality flaw. Think of those who are turning to gambling, as I mentioned a moment ago, to try to make ends meet. Think of those that have an imperfect family relationship and they are doing nothing to try and repair it. Think of those who are slacking at work and think of how little respect they have. Think of whatever you can possibly imagine that sin will do in and through and to your life. And you may think, this makes me cool. Other people say, that makes you a joke. We see people all the time seem to have it all and lose it in a heartbeat and our respect for them goes down in a hurry you think of professional athletes i i just saw uh just the other day a video about nba players who made upwards of 110 million dollars in their career and today are living day to day without two cents to rub together Some of y'all think, hey, that wouldn't be me. Boy, if I had $110 million, I'd invest half of it. I'd give the other half away, and the other half I'd live on. Well, see, that's part of your problem right there. Rick, it's math. Exactly. You think you would be amazing with that much money. You think that you wouldn't have any problems. But friend, when there is an issue in the heart, It doesn't matter how much fame, it doesn't matter how much prestige, it doesn't matter how much education, how much money you have, when there's a problem in the heart, it all begins to dissolve away. And so God says to his people, you know one thing I'm going to take away from you is the fact that other people laugh at you. I'm going to take away the shame of your sin. I'm going to take away the joke that you've become. I'm going to take away the reputation that you're trying your best to mend and put back together that you'll never be able to do. I'm going to take a mess and I'm going to make a message. How many of you today would say, Pastor, apart from the grace of God, my life would be an absolute wreck. Put your hand like this and say, yeah, I would be a mess. The rest of y'all keep listening. Because some of us have tried so hard to put it all together and we are making our best effort to not only get to heaven, but to have a great career and to have an awesome family and to make a lot of money and yet try as we may because sin is there nothing seems to work the way we want but then we just give it all to God and say God my career is yours God my income is yours God, my reputation is yours. My money is yours. My family is yours. God, my life is yours. Then God begins to pour out those blessings and He takes away that shame and He makes you exactly what He wants you to be. And how does that work? How is that possible? Verse 28, 26 rather tells us, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Here it is. And my people shall never again be put to shame and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the the Lord your God. How does all of that work? How does your life get blessed? How is it that everything that you want and need and crave and think that you have how does it all get put together one answer god i don't know what the question is in your life but i know who the answer is and guess what it's not you it's not me it's not sitting in this room on a sunday morning it's not dressing a certain way. It's not smiling to your neighbor. It's not keeping a nice yard. It's by being a wretched sinner that comes to God and say, I'm nothing, but I need you for everything. And some of you, apart from the grace of God, would still be the wretched mess that you were before the grace of God. But thanks be to Jesus that He found you the way that you were and made you into something that can glorify God. There are some of you that still need the grace of Jesus. There are some of you sitting here today still in need of God to make something out of your life. This past week, some of you may have seen the video of people in Atlanta on I-285 at the Dunwoody Street exit there was a big truck that was carrying a lot of money and its doors flew open and at that spot on the interstate thousands upon thousands of dollars just flew out of the back of that truck and for some people, oh, they, they heard angels singing. Video showed, oh, people pulling over on the side, and it was almost like they had never seen that green stuff before. I mean, people were just stopping and grabbing and, and just stuffing it in places, and they'd jump back in their car and take off. Well, the police said, it's a crime to stop and take that money and drive off with it and they're going to need that money back. Good luck with that. (laughs) How many of you, knowing it's a crime to pick up that money that does not belong to you, would have seen it flying out of the back of that truck pulled over on the side of the road and just been right there picking it and grabbing it and stuffing it in the place. How many, don't raise your hands. You know who you are. How many of you would have been tempted to be right there next to them grabbing as much as you can? Some of y'all are going to drive through Atlanta today hoping there's still a few bucks on the side of the road. But if you know it's a crime, how many of you would be tempted to do it anyway? You see, here's the great thing about God. God doesn't remove the truck, the situation, and the money or you. What God will do is remove the desire from your heart to even slow down in the first place. Because if you know in your head and you know in your heart that it is a crime to even tap the brake when you see that money, then by God's grace, what He will do is remove that desire altogether and you, my friend, will keep on going. God's not going to remove every temptation out of your life. He'll just remove the desire for you to slow down and participate. God's not going to remove every tough situation at work. God's not going to take every difficult person out of your life because we'd all be gone. God's not going to remove every sin and temptation out of the touch of your fingertips. God will work in your heart and be in your midst so that you Don't even see it. How many of you need God to do that in your life today? The answer is all of us. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, that's where your journey with real change begins. And you can receive those showers of blessings that won't stop for all of eternity right now today if you will say in your heart, with your mouth, I know that I'm a sinner and I need the Lord Jesus to save me from myself. Would you be willing to say that today? Some of you that have said that and have trusted in Christ in the past still have within your grasp some of that sin and temptation. Instead of asking God to just remove it all together, ask God to just remove the desire from you. That way you can stand as a testimony of God's grace to say, apart from God being in my midst, I would touch that, I would take that, I would do that, but Jesus Christ is with me, God's presence is with me, and apart from Him, I would be nothing. And some of you need God to remove certain things from you, and it all starts right here. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this moment. We thank You, God, for Your Word that is always true and trustworthy. God, that we can always turn to and listen to and be changed by. Father, if there is just one here today that needs to be eternally transformed and changed and saved, God, if there is just one here today that is struggling in some way that needs You to change their heart, change their mind, and even to save their soul, God, would You work in their life in a powerful way today. Lord, we love You and we pray that every response to Your Word today would bring glory and honor to Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at six o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of Uh, places. You can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.